We're looking at the book of Daniel to start with, but I'm talking about the last days. I have no idea how long this is going to last. could go into summer. But right now, here's the thing. I just want you to understand the reason that I feel this is so important is because we need to have an answer. When people come to us and say, well, why should I worry about my faith? You know what? Maybe, maybe when I get old, I'll decide to go to Jesus. In the meantime, I'm just going to have fun and party. Anybody hear that? How many think that's good logic? How many know that today, tomorrow, your life could be called in? The time God has given you could be ended. And there's no more change once you're in heaven. Once you've gotten there, your decision for or against Jesus is determined. That's it. So if you decide yes for Jesus, then you're going to spend eternity with him. But if you say no, if you reject him every day of your life that you have on this earth, he's going to reject you. And that's scriptural. Daniel, and I I started this two weeks ago. I, I changed last week just because of Mother's Day. This week we're going to go back to Daniel chapter 2, and I want to start here. While your majesty was sleeping, and he's interpreting the dream that the king had, King Nebuchadnezzar, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. And it is not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. I just wanted to point out quickly, Daniel is operating in humility. If you are a a man or woman of God, you must walk in humility. It's never, look what I did. It's always, look what the Lord did. Maybe he uses you, and that's a good thing. He does that. But give him the glory. Give him the praise. I want to read from Daniel uh, 2, verses 31 to 45. I'm going to read right through it. And then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to expound on them just a little bit. So are you okay with that? So Daniel 2, 31 to 45. And this is from the NLT. In your vision, your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge shining statue of a man. It was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron. And its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. How many of you have ever had a dream like this? You know, when we have dreams, I had a dream this morning. I'm telling you, it was so stupid. I was, going, I was going to Florida. I was going to walk there. And it seemed like a great idea. And it was at Thanksgiving time. And I'm leaving from here. And I, I go toward the coast, Mich- the Lake Michigan coast. Maybe it was Petoskey. And I just start going into these people's homes where I see that they're celebrating Thanksgiving. And I just walk in like I'm one of them. Nobody says anything. It's like, oh, he must be part of the family. And the third house... I literally made it through three houses doing this. I don't ever remember eating. 
and I couldn't get out of the third house. And I'm like, there's got to be a way out. I'm just freaking out. That's the kind of stupid dream I have. <laughs> Nothing like what this guy had. As you watched, listen to this. A rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. Oh, we're going to talk about this a whole lot more. Can you imagine? It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. Then the wind blew, blew them away without a trace like chaff on a threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. Hello? Anybody got your Jesus antenna on? That was the dream. Now, we will tell the king what it means. Your majesty, you are the greatest of kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you the ruler over all the inhabited world and has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. You are the head of gold. But after your kingdom comes to an end, another kingdom inferior to yours will rise to take your place. After that kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom, represented by bronze, will rise to rule the world. And following that kingdom, there will be a fourth one, as strong as iron. That kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires, just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. The feet and toes you saw were a combination of iron and baked clay, showing that this kingdom will be divided. Like iron mixed with clay, it will have some of the strength of iron. But while some parts of it will be as strong as iron, other parts will be as weak as clay. The mixture of iron and clay also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage. But they will not hold together just as iron and clay do not mix. During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. Say forever. Verse 45, that is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands, that crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen, where? In the future. The dream is true, and its meaning is certain. Now, I want to remind you of what Jesus said about himself in the book of Luke, chapter 20, Jesus looked at them and said, what does this scripture mean? And then he went on to say, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Everyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone it falls on. Hallelujah. What Jesus is saying here is that anybody that rejects him will be crushed by that stone. And he is the rock. He is the stone that's going to do this. 
So if you reject Jesus, what, what's your, the end result? You're going to be smashed to pieces. Is this God being vindictive? No. Again, it's always our choice. We choose, do we follow him or we choose to reject him? It's always our choice. You can't get there and go, God, it's your fault. It's your fault I didn't follow you. It's not going to work. He's going to look at you and he's going to go, you lazy and wicked servant, get behind me. Throw this servant, wicked servant, into where? The fire, the flames, in other words, hell. That has been reserved for the fallen angels. God's not being vindictive. We choose where we're going to be. Hallelujah. So let's go back and look at Daniel's vision a little closer. I'm going to, I think I have most of them up behind me. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you the ruler over all the inhabited world and has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. You are the head of gold, King Nebuchadnezzar. His empire was represented by gold, if if you didn't know that. Babylon was said to be a country that was filled with treasures. Much of what was taken, or much of what he had was taken as plunder as they went around crushing the other countries around them. And that, of course, included a lot of gold. In Daniel chapter 3, which we're going to discuss next week, and and, and I love this part because this is where uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I was trying to say it right. It's where they're throwing where? See, most of you guys know it, so we're going to have fun next week. But right now, let's focus on this. This is where the king built this gigantic statue of himself. You think he was a little much into himself? I'd say. And as a result, the three young boys, they rejected what their orders were, that they had to worship the statue. But what I wanted to point out was is the statue, though it was made of wood, it was covered in gold and silver. So this is where we get this idea. Because of his conquests, Babylon also had many slaves. And of course, when you have cheap labor, you can build things like giant statues of yourself. And that's what we'll see next week. Verse 39a, another kingdom inferior to yours will rise to take your place. Its chest and arms were silver. Now, the the metal Persian Empire consisted of two countries that were united in 550 B.C. What I want you to see here is that this is 550 years before Jesus. And God is showing them what's coming. Now, Daniel could have been alive during this one, but the next one certainly he was not. And and we're going to see that God knows his stuff. Amen? He knows what the future is. He knows what's coming. Silver was appropriate for the metal Persians as they heavily taxed their people. And this was to keep their war machine going. And as I was studying, I was reminded of North Korea. And we don't see a whole lot about them because it's all under wraps. They don't let people go in and film. But what we do understand from those who have been there is 
Everything that their government produces goes into their war machine. Their people are starving as a result. And that's similar to what was happening here with the Medo Persian army. The Medo Persians conquered Babylon in 539 BC, and they became the dominating power of that time. Daniel writes about this event in chapter 6, which we may or may not get to. Uh, you can always go ahead if you'd like. Verse 39b After that kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom. Everybody say a third kingdom. And it's represented by what? Bronze. And will rise to rule the world. Its belly and thighs were bronze. Now, most believe that this third kingdom is none other than Greece. And it's no coincidence that most of their armor was made of bronze. Right, their weapons, their shields, everything. And did Greece rise to rule the world? How many remember the name Alexander the Great? Right? Young man. He, he became king at 20. Do we have any 20-year-olds in here? Oh, John. <laughs> anyway, he became the king of Greece in 330 B.C. And, and this matters because this is 200 years later. This is after Daniel's definitely in the grave by now, and yet God showed through him what this prophecy or this dream was all about, and it was about this nation of Greece rising up. God knows the kings that are set in place. God knows the kings that are removed. Don't ever think that whoever's in power got there by themselves. If God hadn't allowed it, it wouldn't have happened. Amen? Nobody could have imagined how great Alexander's conquests were or would be at that time. He was only 33 when they said he pretty much conquered the whole world. Well, that really wasn't true. He hadn't conquered the whole world, but he had conquered the whole region that they were in. Like It was mostly Europe at the time. Can you think of another leader who conquered the world at 33? Jesus, right? There's a lot of similarities here. Although the one wasn't born again, obviously the other one was because he was God. Jesus. But his kingdom is going to what? Live forever. That's right. And we're going to get into a whole lot more about that. So at the age of 23, Alexander left his homeland Never to return. He took an army with him and he just began conquering city after city, defeating them country after country. One interesting note was that after taking the Phoenician city of Tyre, which is T-Y-R-E, not like the rubber tire we have, after he finished defeating that city, they began to move toward Jerusalem. Judah and 200 other priests dressed in white came out to meet him. Alexander the Great ran toward them. And it looked to his army like those 200 robed men were going to hurt their leader. So they, they all started getting ready for a fight. And Alexander went, no, 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 no. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I forgot to tell you this. I don't know why. I forgot to tell you this part, but I had a dream. 
And God showed me these men, and he said, these are my people, leave them alone. God uses dreams, doesn't he? And here, in this case, he is protecting the city of Jerusalem. He is protecting his own people. Hallelujah. Alexander died in Babylon, like I said, at the age of 33. It was said he died because he had no more to conquer. However, history says that he actually died from syphilis, and he went crazy. They didn't have a cure back then, all right? So if you got it, it was your end. But because he didn't have heirs to rule Greece, his four generals divided the conquered land into four parts, and they, in turn, ruled. Next verse, verse 40. Following that kingdom, here's the, the fourth one, as strong as what? Iron. That kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires just as iron smashes and crushes everything that it strikes. I want to point out in verse 33, it says that the beast's legs were made of iron. Oh, did I jump ahead? I jumped ahead. I didn't mean to do that. Its legs were made of iron and its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. The legs of iron would aptly define the Roman Empire. This is very important. Rome was powerful, and it had been divided into east and west. It was Rome and Constantinople. Those were the two seats of government that uh, Rome governed from. Some of the scholars felt that this east and west, that those were the two legs, and, and it could be, but others said, it's just there because you need two legs to stand on. And it's, it's a human figure, so it'd be kind of lame if it was... You had one leg. You get the idea. The Roman soldiers were true fighting machines. They had 20-pound shields, forged iron swords, and it seemed that no other army could compete against this Roman army. They were undefeatable. Nobody could go against them. Many of our laws and our democracy itself is directly or indirectly a result of the Roman government and its structure. You probably knew that. They had senators in Rome. Most scholars agree that Rome represents the iron legs but when we get to the feet, the ten toes, that's when they're not so sure. They, they have a hard time uh, agreeing on what the feet and the toes mean. So let's look at that. The feet and the toes you saw were a combination of iron and baked clay. Showing that this kingdom will be divided like iron mixed with clay, it will have some of the strength of iron, but while some parts of it will be as strong as iron, the other parts will be as weak as clay. This mixture of iron and clay also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage. But they will not hold together just as iron and clay do not mix. Now what I want you to understand, that part about the, the intermarriage thing, it doesn't necessarily, this is how they saw it. Because back in the time of Babylon, if, if one of your princes 
married into another family from another country, maybe their prince married your princess, that, there was a bond. You wouldn't fight those people typically because now family is together. Well, the same thing happens today, only we, don't, we use contracts, right? We, we come di- diplomatically, we agree that, listen, we're going we're gonna to fight with you. You're our ally. And, and so when you see that, don't get, don't get tripped up on it. It's just a term they used back then and today. It simply means that all of these nations came together to form a, a stronger uh, government. Can you think of anything today that, where they've done that? NATO, right? I don't know how many. There's a lot of nations involved in that. But Rome was at the center of Europe. And this prophecy is thought to represent that whole region. So the Rome that's coming in the future, which we may be a part of that, I don't know. But when that comes, they believe that many of these nations are going to come from that central area of Europe. Meaning Rome and all of those surrounding areas. Could be Greece, whatever. Does that make sense at all? Or am I? All right. The image of the feet and toes is thought to represent the ten nations that will rise in the last days and combine to form one mighty nation. The primary enemy of this ten-nation alliance is thought to be who? Kingdom of God. That's who they're rallying together to fight. The kingdom of God. Are you with me? Amazingly, the prophet Daniel, as he was directed by the Holy Spirit, was able to predict the rise of the Roman Empire with its two powerful legs. And then Daniel went on to predict the Roman Empire would be revived in the last days and its ten toes made of iron and clay would rise once again for an end times battle like no other. Now here's another important facet that I want you to understand as I read this, as I studied this. A lot of the scholars feel that this number 10, how many toes are on most of your feet? 10. So if they put a different number there, it would have been kind of weird, right? Because this this image is supposed to be human, the the giant statue that uh, Nebuchadnezzar saw. However, they don't feel that it means there will only be 10 nations at the end. There could be more. It could be 12. There could be 13 or 14. We don't know that. But just know that don't get hung up on the number. Whatever this, the, as these nations gather to fight God, which is literally what they're going to be doing, as they gather together, it could be more than 10. It could be 10, but it could be more. Amen? All right. Consider, and God reveals all, all of this uh, in, in the scripture, consider that these kingdoms would rise and fall how many years after Daniel wrote them? At least a couple hundred, if not 500, right? And then, of course, the more recent one that's going to happen around this time, we believe, is 2,500 years later. So God knows what he's doing. Daniel 2, verses 20 to 22, he said, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. 
He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. God knows everything. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He goes through time. Nothing is secret from him. He knows it all. And that's what Daniel was pointing out. God knows all. He is our all in all. He determines who has the power and who remains in power. As we watch the news, how many agree that it seems like things are unraveling at sonic speed, right? However, (laughs) you know this, hopefully, God is still in control. He still sets the course for each nation. If he didn't, it would be cruel for us. But he knows everything, and he puts everything in motion as it needs to be. I believe that our nation at one time had the favor of God. But I'm inclined to believe that we have lost some, if not most, of that favor as we ignore the mandates of Scripture and as we live immoral and ungodly lives. And I'm just saying this to you, if our nation doesn't repent, it's going to be too late. We will suffer just like Israel suffered, just like Babylon suffered, etc. It's going to happen. God will not hold back judgment forever. However, and this is the encouraging part, (laughs) Poke your neighbor and say, it's about time. (laughs) Regardless of the direction Washington, D.C. takes, we are still under the covering of God. Just like those 200 priests, and God had given that dream to Alexander, don't touch my anointed. The same is true. If you have laid claim to Jesus Christ, if you have clung to him as your Lord and Savior, you're safe. You are safe. Now tell your neighbor you're safe. (laughs) That's important to know, right? If, If we have put our trust in God, we've got nothing to worry about. We need not worry about our future nor our destiny because we know our destiny. It is to celebrate and enjoy eternal life with our Heavenly Father forever and ever and ever. That almost sounds, no it doesn't. I was going to say boring, redundant. But nobody knows what God has in store for those who love Him. We've got no clue. Can you imagine if, if you just look at creation, and I subscribe by that. I mean, I, I uh, joined some of the nature things on Facebook, and they, they show the animals that, are, that God made. They didn't evolve. Quit it. You can't tell me they evolved. 
the intricacies of each of these little animals that are so unique to the animal itself. There's no way. Oops, that part didn't go. Oops, that one did. Yep, that one went. And, and this is over millions of years. Come on. Use your brain. I'm sorry, that was flesh. But when I see these, these beautiful creatures that God has created, and I think if he did that for us on earth, what is he going to do in heaven? What kind of amazing, miraculous things are we going to get to see when we get there? And he's not going to stop. Just It's not going to be like, once and done. He's going to surprise us every day with something cool. Hallelujah! Because that's the kind of God we serve. So when, when people get to that place where they're just about to cross that threshold from life to death, man, don't hold them back. I mean, if they're not ready, hold them back. <laughs> Convince them. You need Jesus. You need salvation. Make Get right. But then let them go. Because where they're headed, <laughs> we all want to get there. We just don't know it yet. Hallelujah. One final comment. As we're on this earth, our purpose remains the same. Educate. Preach to. Grab. Hold on to. Wrestle with. Love on. Convince. Do whatever it takes to reach the lost and Bring them into God's kingdom. Make disciples. Hallelujah. That's, that's our purpose. The hope's purpose is to see people come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ and then go on to build on that strong foundation. Amen. Get them ready for the time when Jesus returns for his church. they begin to close our heavenly father knows exactly when jesus is coming back and i believe someday we're going to actually witness the church is going to witness what we call in the church the rapture which is a snatching away of god's people not everybody agrees here's this hear this part not everybody agrees that there's going to be a rapture but many do so whichever side of the fence you're on, I'll get into this more in the near future. But what, I what we need to know, according to the Scripture, in the testimonies of God's people, and that's from the first century forward, is this. <laughs> Jesus, say it with me, Jesus is coming back. And when he does, what's he going to do? He's going to conquer all of his enemies. That's everything. He's going to conquer sin. He's going to conquer death. He's going to conquer the devil and his evil henchmen that cause us so many problems today. But no one knows the exact time this is going to happen. People have predicted dates. They've set times and said, okay, sell all your gear, sell all your stuff, sell your bass boat, go to the top of the mountain, and we're all going to wait for Jesus on such and such a date. 
They get there, and what happens? Embarrassment. He doesn't come. So then what do they do? Oh, they come up with this excuse, and they, oh, I missed it. That must have been a, a year from now. Whatever. Stop it. Nobody knows the exact time that this is going to happen. However, Jesus said in Mark 13, he said, However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, meaning when these things of the end times will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on your guard. Stay alert. Be on your guard. Stay alert. Don't let your guard down. We need to be in fighting mode from the moment we become born again until Jesus takes us home or raptures us, whichever way it goes. If it's through death, so be it. If it's through the rapture, so be it. One way or another, we're going to get to Him. Be alert. Stay alert. You ever heard the saying, don't let your guard down? You know what Satan wants? He wants to get your focus on something else so that all of a sudden you're like this. What happens when you're like this? If you're a boxer, can I use that analogy? If you're a boxer, come on, put, a, put your dukes up. Your trainer always says, don't let your guard down. Because as soon as you drop them down here, what happens? You're going to get a right hook and it's probably going to knock you out. Right? You don't give the enemy that kind of opportunity. You keep your guard up. Now, in the Christian realm, we're not talking about fighting with people, are we? We're talking about a, a fight with the enemy of darkness with Satan and his minions, as I like to call them, the demons of hell. They are here to disrupt our lives. And if they can get our focus off Jesus and onto a problem or something shiny. Remember, uh, what's the movie, the, the Ring? The, Lord of the Rings, thank you. I should remember that. You know what? When you're up here, hey, if anybody wants to try it, you don't remember everything. So that shiny ring, oh, it's pretty. What did it do? It got his eyes off of the true prize, which is God himself, Jesus. And if Satan can do that, if he can get your eyes off heaven, just for a moment, what happens? Bam! You're laying there on the ground going, what happened? Don't give them that opportunity. So what do you need to do? Be alert. Don't let your guard down. Fight the darkness as though your life depends on it. Because it does. Every single day is a battle. I talked about this last week with you ladies. If it seems like you're in a fight every day, that's because you are. Yes. 
I love the fact that the Bear River ladies are here because they know what I'm talking about. They're fighting for their families. They're fighting for their lives. Because they know already what the devil's done and how easy it is to get your eyes off Jesus. But I believe that I believe in you, ladies. I really do. You, you have that covering over you. God loves you so much. Don't ever forget that. And keep up your spiritual dukes. Amen? If the Lord's predictions were right with Daniel, and history shows they were, then isn't it safe to say that everything else God prophesied about will be right, it will take place, just as the Lord said it would? Jesus, knowing the fact that his people would worry, they'd have anxiety when he left, He said this to his disciples, and I'm going to leave you with this. This is the last scripture I'm going to share. John 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. Would you read this with me? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. Hallelujah. Obviously, obviously when Jesus shared this information with his disciples, he had not yet died. He had not yet been put in the ground. He had not yet risen from the dead. But even Jesus was able to prophesy future events. Now, I have to just stop and think. (laughs) He said, when everything is ready, I will come back for you. It took God six days to create the heavens and the earth. He's been spending 2,000 years. Now, again, God isn't confined by time. But if you just do the math, what is waiting What is God's mansion going to look like? And they use the term mansion. Don't picture this one house, itty-bitty little house. Don't put God in a box. This place is going to be amazing. All right? I think everybody's going to have a lake view, if that's what you want, you know? Whatever. It's going to be so cool. This is what God has ready for us. And ready or not, he's coming back. So do not worry. Be prepared. Be on guard. And stay alert. (laughs) Hallelujah. This is one of the most exciting times in the history of man. The people of earth have never seen the technologies like we have today, the way that we communicate. You can call somebody today that lives literally on the other side of the globe. You can fly there if you have the right equipment in a couple of hours. 
in your passport, right? Yeah. Paul's reminding me. There's never been a time like this before. You know, as much as we like to say, well, this was all like this when Jesus was on the... No, it wasn't. They didn't have jet planes. They didn't have rocket ships that are thinking about going to Mars. Why do you want to go to Mars? I have no idea. It's a dust planet, but hey. Whatever. I hear we're going back to the moon. Why? It's dust. What are we going to discover? I don't know, but they want to do it anyway. But there has never been a time prior to this when we've had this, this kind of stuff, the way we live. Modern plumbing, who says yes? Thank you, Jesus, for modern plumbing. You really appreciate it when you, when you go out camping and you find yourself at a rustic site. Yeah, amen. My wife won't go. She says, hey, let's go to a hotel. She's smart. We don't know what's coming next, but God said, be prepared, be on guard, stay alert. Would you stand with me? My little preacher's over here. I don't know who it is, but I hear him. That's my grandson. Woohoo! Little Corbin J, as his mother calls him. Yeah! Hi, buddy! Yay! We've had church today, and I I hope, just trust me, this message is leading up to some good stuff. I believe God is trying to do something in this church to get us ready for these precious hours that we live in. I don't know how God's going to use us, but I believe He is. Are you ready? With heads bowed, eyes closed, I just want to make sure if there's anybody here today that would say, listen, I've been listening, I've struggled with this, and I don't think I'm ready. If God were to call me home today, if my heart were to stop beating, I don't think I would be ready, and I'd be one of those where Jesus would have to say, get behind me. I don't want to be that person. I want to put my trust in Jesus. If that's you, would you lift your hand up real quick so I can see it? Hands going up. Thank you. You can put them down. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. I see those hands. All right, let's just pray this as a church, as a family. And I trust that if this was you, you raised your hand, I want you to picture, close your eyes, picture Jesus standing in front of you, just like that movie, that little tidbit from the movie where Nicodemus was standing in front of Jesus. And all he did was he put his arms around Jesus and he hung on for dear life. That's what I want you to do today. In, in, in that mental picture, in the spirit. Are you ready for this? Heavenly Father, pray this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, your precious son, to take my place on the cross. Today, I confess my sin, known and unknown. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me clean with the blood of Jesus and make me a new creation. I believe today as a result of this the old man is dead the old woman is dead 
And the new man, the new woman, is alive in Christ. I am born again, born in the Spirit. And I pray this today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Spirit is still moving here. Hmm. I just keep seeing him smile. <laughs> Our Heavenly Father is happy with what this church is attempting to do as we serve him, as we give him the glory. Let's just keep on being the church. Helping people, as I said earlier, help grabbing them, snatching them from the, the flames of hell. If that's what it takes. Having just such a passion for people that we don't want anybody to go to hell. We want all men to be saved, all women to be saved, all boys and all girls to be saved. That, that's our mission. Let's be that church. Lord, keep us close to your breast. Lord, we all just need a big God hug today. <laughs> we just latch on to you. Jesus, we latch on to you. Our brother, our friend, our king, our Lord. Fill us today, Lord, with your Holy Spirit afresh and anew, Lord. Empower us for these last days as we prepare to go back into this world. Keep us strong, Lord. Keep us safe. Keep us alert. We pray all of these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. That concludes this service.